Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Hey, welcome to Midweek and the Connect Podcast. I am so glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to have a great time together this morning as we dig into the Bible, as we dive into God's Word together. We're calling this Principles of or principles for the harvest. Now, I want to start out off with uh, talking about, you know, last summer with the uh, death of George Floyd there at the corner of 38th Street and Chicago Avenue. We hear about all of the things that happened there following this over the past year. There have been uh, protests and, and riots and all kinds of gatherings there, but you may not know, and I was seeing this, that last summer people were coming, check this out, to worship. They were coming to share the gospel, and so I found this uh, this video just to give you a glimpse of something you probably don't see on the news of uh, what so, some, of the, some of the positive things that were happening there at that site uh, of this 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 event, this, this moment, and uh, check this out, check this out. George Floyd Avenue, they've renamed it. All right, isn't that incredible? You see people who were uh, who were being baptized, people who were hearing the the good news of Jesus. Uh, you see people who were coming together, regardless of uh, their their race, and praying together and turning to God. And it's just it's incredible to see that in the middle of uh, injustice, in the middle of pain, God is still able 
to work. And he's working through his people to turn things that seem to be uh, bad and are bad. They're bad, but God can still use those bad things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, and, and there's these doors that open in the middle of uh, injustice, in the middle of these difficult, terrible situations to share God's word. We see this uh, in, in throughout the New Testament. And I, we've talked about that right here, about God opening doors for us to walk through. So, um, so today, we're going to continue through our journey through the Gospel of John. And we're looking at what happens. It's this passage kind of in the middle of the story of the woman at the well. And we talked about the woman at the well the last time we had a full, you know, dive into John. And so today we're going to be picking up in verse 27. And I want to read this passage to you right now and what has happened. Okay, so verse 27 says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? <laughs> then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Teacher, eat something. Because they had gone to get him something to eat. And, um, of course, he had been talking with the woman at the well about water, and now this is also about what, what you eat, about the food. In verse 32, But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, <laughs> Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. So the disciples, they come back and they see that Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman. Two strikes. Two strikes against her. First, first she was a Samaritan. And then, of course, she was a woman. And um, the Samaritan's culture um, and the Samaritan people, they were looked down on uh, and seen as less than. And then also, she was a woman. So he was not supposed to be talking to her. And so... The disciples saw this, but you know, Jesus, he regularly cut through the cultural barriers, uh, those cultural, uh, you know, faux pas that you're not supposed to go past. He went beyond them in order to meet her need, in order to meet her right where she was. And so the woman, though, what did she do? She, once she met Jesus and she knew who he was, she saw who he was, she dropped everything immediately. She dropped, uh, she had gone there to, to, to get water and she just left the water there. She left her water jar, jar there. Um, 
because there was something now that was more important. She had to go and tell everyone in her town. And the, the discussion shifted from living water to spiritual food because the disciples come back with some food. I don't know, you know, where they went, if they, they went to pick up some, some Taco Bell, some Whataburger, and they bring it back to him. And Jesus says, um, I've got food you don't know anything about. <laughs> and they're like, what? Where did he get this food? Is he carrying something around with him? You know, what, what did he have? And, um, you know, we talk about all the diet fads, all the diet crazes, and there's lots of good ones. I found that the diet that works is the one that you work, you know, that you do. But uh, here's the John 334 diet. The John 334 diet of Jesus, he says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That was the spiritual food. And they're saying, well, we brought you food. And they were still thinking physically. They missed the spiritual side of things. They're always seeing what was right in front of them. And they missed the spiritual, the more important. And they missed what Jesus was saying. Um, and, and Jesus was saying, look, my strength comes and my satisfaction comes from doing God's will, serving God. Listen, when you're serving God, that is something that fills you. It's something that brings you true fulfillment and satisfaction. It leads you to a full kind of living. And when you're doing God's will, no matter how successful you are, um, you're a success because you've done what God asked you to do. And so often people say they get burnt out on serving. You know, you may be in that place right now. You say, man, I've been serving for a long time um, and I just need a break. You know, now I do think there's a, there's a rhythm to it and, and you can't always be working, working, working. But if you find that serving God is draining instead of filling and empowering, then maybe you're doing it by your own strength and your own power instead of doing it by God's power. Um, and, and maybe also instead of doing God's will, you could even think, hey, I'm doing God's will, but maybe you're just kind of trying to fulfill your own will, your own plan, because there's a lot of things that are good that we can do in life. Um, they may be good, but are they what God wants you to do? Is it really God's will? Um, we say there's not enough time to do everything. There's not, but there's enough time to do what God wants you to do. There's always enough time to do what God wants you to do. And one of the things we have to do is make sure we're seeking God and asking him, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, a lot of times we try to figure it out as if it's this really hard thing to figure out what is God's will. But God's will sometimes is very simple. It's very clear. And one of the things that Jesus says is God's will is laboring in the harvest. He starts talking about the harvest. What am I talking about? I'm talking about sharing the good news of Jesus, reaching people for Jesus. We call this evangelism, right? It's reaching people, sharing the good news, sharing the way to be saved. And let me tell you, 
It is satisfying like nothing else. When you help somebody step over that line of faith, you see their eternity changed. There is a fulfillment in that that's like nothing else that you could do. But it will tire you out. You know, you do get tired. As pastors, sometimes we call it on Monday, the holy hangover. You know, we've poured out on Sunday. And if you're serving, some of you, I know you serve service after service. And, um, you know, maybe you feel the same way. But let me tell you, it is a good kind of tired. It is a good kind of tired. So what is what is the harvest that we're talking about? When he, Jesus is talking about this picture of the harvest, he's talking about the people. Um, and, and he says, look up and see the harvest. Uh, open your eyes and look at the fields. And sometimes we're opening our eyes, we're, we're closing our eyes, keeping our eyes closed, we don't even see it. But if we open our eyes, sometimes we're looking at the problems. We're seeing the problems in our world instead of the the opportunities in front of us. It reminds me of the story of the um, the two shoe salesmen that went to another country. It was like another culture. They were going to sh- sell shoes, and the first guy went over there to sell shoes, and he came back and he said, he said, I can't sell any shoes over there. Nobody wears shoes. Well, the second guy. He looked around and he came back and he said, I can sell everybody's shoes over there because nobody has shoes. So are you looking at the problem or are you looking at the potential, the the possibility? We got to look at the possibility um, in front of us and see it and see that people are in need of Jesus. We need to see people like Jesus does. Billy Graham said this. He said, our modern world is said to have made discipleship harder, but it's made evangelism easier. Today's world is said to be multiplying crisis all around us, but we must never forget that for the gospel, every crisis is an opportunity, and that opportunity is to meet needs in the middle of the crisis, to point people toward the true hope that they can find in Jesus, because, you know, the world is going to have problems, but that just sometimes helps people realize how much they need Jesus. He says, look up, the fields are ripe for harvest, or the, the harvest fields are white. And it's it, it may be that um, the Samaritans, as Jesus is talking to the disciples, all these Samaritans from the town, they're all coming toward, uh, and it could have been, you know, it could have been hundreds and thousands of people walking toward them right at that moment in their white robes. And he's saying, look, these people are ready right now. And as we look around our community and our county, our culture, we know people right now are ready all around us. And when the crops are ripe, when they're ready, you got to do something about it right then. Or the time is going to pass and the opportunity is going to be missed and uh, so there was uh, another another story I heard about somebody from Colorado who moved to Texas, and they built a, a house with this huge picture frame window, um, and they could see hundreds of miles of prairie, <laughs> hundreds of miles of prairie. And he said, "I've got all of this view. The only problem is there's nothing to see." About the same time, there was a Texan that moved to Colorado and built a house with a huge picture window, and it was looking over 
the, the Rocky Mountains. And he says, the only problem is I can't see anything because the mountains are in the way. <laughs> we sometimes can miss what's right in front of our eyes, what we can see. We go to a city and we see all of the, the uh, buildings and the, the lights and, and, and all of this, but we miss the people and there are lonely, broken people all around us. Um, you hear somebody complaining, criticizing, and we don't hear the fact that what they're actually looking for is understanding and friendship and help. So we got to look up. We've got to look up because the people are all around us. The people are coming right here to us right now from all over the country. People are moving to the Austin area, especially during the summer. This is a prime moment. And um, so what did the woman do? She went back to her town. She brought the whole town out to hear about Jesus. Now, this is one of those come and see moments. You know, we talk about go and tell and come and see. Well, she did both. She went and told them, but she said, come and see. Come and see Jesus. And as a church, we do both. We say go out of our church and tell, but we also say invite people to come and see. Now, this woman, she's a brand new believer, and she didn't have any discipleship classes. She didn't she didn't know anything. You know, she didn't know anything. All she knew was that she was fired up. Her life was changed. She was passionate. Don't let that fire fade. Don't let that excitement, that initial excitement that you felt when you first came to know Jesus, it still is real today. And listen, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to know all the facts. You just have to bring people to Jesus. And if you bring them to church with you, uh, the Connection Church or a church that uh, preaches the Bible, that, that preaches the gospel, then that's a help for you. I want We want to come alongside of you in your life mission. But so often, we choose the urgent over the important. There's all of these things that we've got to do, and we miss what's most important. We, we go to the grocery store, and we're so busy getting the things that we need that we don't stop for those divine appointments. I think what Jesus had with this woman at the well was a divine appointment. It was one of those God-ordained moments. And if you're open to it, you see those all the time, whether it's somebody reaching out to you through a text or, or uh, a phone call or you run into somebody when you're out and about. Uh, those are divine appointments many times. Don't be so task-focused that you miss the people, because the people are what it's all about. Let me share with you some of the principles of the harvest. The first thing we need to understand from Jesus here is there is a harvest. There is a job to do, and that is to share Jesus, to share just the story of what Jesus can do in their life, um, to share what Jesus is doing in your life. You share that. There is a harvest um, of, of people to come to know Jesus. But the, also, the harvest is plentiful. Um, there's, it, it's a big, big opportunity around us. And of course, at the Connection Church, we're seeing people baptized each and every week here at the Connection Church. We know that um, there are more people always who need to hear about Jesus. And Jesus says, look, there's joy. 
So it says, so that the, in verse 36, the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I'm telling you, it, there's nothing more fun. You can never be bored. If you're living to, to share Jesus with people, you won't be bored one second in your life because there's always opportunities all around you. That's where the joy comes from. And then also, we have different parts to play. Look, he says, one uh, sows, another reaps, and that's true. Um, now, you may say, well, you know, we all have different gifts, but but you may say, my, I'm not really good at that. You know, I'm a little shy. I'm a little afraid. It's not my gift. You don't have to be especially gifted. Some people are especially gifted, and, you know, they just, they, they just are leading people to Jesus all over the place. You don't have to have some kind of gift. You just have to see the need and allow God to use you. Um, you know, it's the same way as if uh, your child is in danger. You see your child in danger, you know, and they're in the street and a car's coming. Um, you don't have to be the fastest runner to run as fast as you can to go out in the street and save your, your child. You're going to do whatever it takes if you see the danger. And so we all have a part to play in this, okay? And you do have what it takes. But listen, another principle of the harvest is right now is the right time. You know, he starts out by saying four months more until the harvest. He says, no. And so often we think, well, this is something I'll get around to when I get this part of my life together. I get, I achieve this or I do this or I take care of this. Then I will um, start looking to the people that I need to reach out to. No, 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 no. Now is the time. And then let me share with you also um, some rewards that I found here in this passage, because Jesus says there's there's six rewards here that I see. One, he says he says that there is a wage. Uh, even now, the one who reaps draws a, a wage. There's a there's a payoff, you know. And the payoff for me is uh, ultimately is hearing God say, "Well done, well done with your life." I I, I want to uh, reach as many people as I can. Uh, and take as many people to heaven with me as I can. And that's a that's a reward. But also, um, that reward is eternal. It's not temporary. He says it lasts forever. A harvest a crop for eternal life forever. And like I said, there's a joy. There's a joy that comes with it. You have a part to play. What your part matters, you matter. Isn't it awesome that God would choose to use you to change someone's eternity? that you're chosen, that you're called by Jesus. And here's another reward, and that is that you're not alone. We get to do this together. And um, I think that's pretty cool, that we get to serve together. Now, in verse 39, and I didn't read this part, but it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So just because the woman shared, um, many believed (laughs) because of her testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's what the woman said. He told me everything I ever did. There's something about Jesus. So in verse 40, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So now there are even more who became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know this man really is 
the Savior of the world. Listen, Jesus is the Savior of the world. What that means is he is snatching people from disaster, from destruction, okay? And, and listen, no one is too far gone. That's what this story is telling us. The Samaritans of all people were coming to Jesus. Jesus came for everyone, not for one group or another, but for everyone. Um, I tell you, the disciples looking at the Samaritans, that would have been the last group of people that they thought they would, would be reaching out to. Now, for us, we got to think, where is our Samaria? Where are those cultural boundaries, those places we don't want to go to or reach beyond? You know, um, there are some places, you know, uh, maybe it's a prison, uh, maybe it's a certain, uh, you know, area, whatever it is. Listen, it requires risk. It's going to require some risk. You may risk your reputation, you, you're, you're sacrificing your time, and even sometimes it may require sacrificing some safety, you know, but it is worth it. And let me tell you why. There's a video that I, I want us to show, and we're about to wrap this up, um, but you got to see this video. Now, this is, I don't know if you're familiar with a Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller are magicians, comedians. They've been around for decades. They kind of do shock comedy. And Penn Jillette is an all-out, flat-out atheist, okay? He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. Um, so, so I don't want you to necessarily listen to anything else that, that he says, but I want you to hear what he says on camera right here because this is powerful. Check this out. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, that I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Um, he's saying, look, if you really believe that there's a heaven, that there's a hell, that people are lost apart from Jesus, you have to do something about it. You've got to go and tell. Uh, it would be evil, it would be wrong to keep that news from people. And the fact is, as we see here in this story, when you share the story, uh, when you share, there are going to be some people, they're ready, they're going to believe, but there's going to be some other people, maybe they won't respond right away, but you invite them. You keep sharing with them. Not everybody moves at the same pace, but here it starts with this woman's story. There's not a particular formula you have to follow, but there is passion. You have to have passion. Just telling the story of what Jesus has done for you. And you may say, I don't really have a story. Yes, you do. You have a testimony. Think about where you would be today without Jesus. You know, and even those things that we're embarrassed about, those problems that we have that we want to hide from people, that's 
the thing that God wants to use in your life to, to connect with someone else um, so that they go, okay, they have problems too, and yet they're finding a peace, they're finding joy, they're finding hope and help. So share that, okay? Share your story. Listen to their story, and then as best you can, tell the story of Jesus. This woman, she didn't know much, but she knew Jesus, and that's all she needed to know. That was enough. And think about the change that happened in this woman's life. She went from being a total outcast in her community to being the one who was able, who God used to change her whole city. Um, so he can use you in that same way. He can use you. Um, I, I had one last story, and that was uh, this criminal in England. His name was Charlie Peace. And, and on the day he was being taken to be executed, he, was, he heard uh, a minister who was reading from the Bible. And he was reading about heaven and hell. And this criminal who's about to be executed said, If I believed what you and, and God's church say, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. You know, we do believe it. And, and no cost is too great. And no sacrifice is too great. We, I just want to challenge you today, if you've been with me this morning, that God is going to place somebody in your path today, this week. We need to be praying for them, and we need to have the courage to speak up and share the hope that we have in Jesus. All right, let's do that. Uh, let's, let's, let's pray together as we close this out together. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that you have a story, that you've included us in your story. God, I pray that you would use my story of what you've done in my life to make a difference for someone else. That God, I pray that not only are you opening doors before us today to, to make a difference, to make an impact, an eternal impact, but God, that I will see the open doors, that I will step through those open doors, that you're opening hearts, opening minds, opening conversations, and give me the boldness, give me the courage, give me the words to speak. God, and I, I thank you right now for the lives that are going to be changed by your spirit. And I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you have a blessed rest of the week. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Connect.